You're listening to Post Perspectives Meet the Artist podcast, sponsored by Puget Systems. Hi, I'm Randy Altman with Post Perspective, and welcome to another episode of our Meet the Artist podcast. For this installment, our writer Ben Melman spoke to editor Jay Prashidney, who was one of the editors on the Netflix series Wednesday. Enjoy. Tell me how you became involved in the project originally. Yeah, I mean, I was kind of just looking for around for whatever job <laughs> that could get me out of the house during the COVID pandemic. But I was going so stir crazy, um, you know, uh, just at home. And I just, I needed to get out of the house again. I needed to work with collaborators. And uh, so now, yeah, kind of in this post-COVID environment, the I think for editors, for post people, since still a lot of the work is remote, um, you know, a lot, a lot of how that happens now that I've seen is just because you're working with collaborators who demand in-person, you know, collaboration. And Tim Burton is definitely one of those people who, you know, working remotely was never an option for him. Yeah. Uh, he needs to be in the room with the people he works with. Um, you know, he's, yeah, he's a, a kind of more of an analog person in that kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um and so, yeah, so I flew to Romania and I worked in Romania during production when Tim was shooting his episodes. Um, I was on set. My office was just kind of down the hall from his. And uh, yeah, when he wasn't shooting and he flew back to UK, I flew with him to go work with him there. When he came back to shoot more, I flew. So it was kind of back and forth, just following him around, basically. <laughs> I love that. So uh, how long was post, I guess, for you... Like, you know, what were the dates when it started? And, you know, like, how many months were you on the show? Yeah, so they started filming around, yeah, August. Yeah, it would have been end of August 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, they started filming episodes one and two in a block. They started filming some of the, that opening teaser, really. It was really the first stuff they shot of episode one. Um, and then, yeah, production lasted. Oh, gosh. I mean, I think I was in Romania in the UK for about seven months um, total. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I don't know. So something like that. But then, I don't know, post kind of dwindles on kind of indefinitely. <laughs> you know, sometimes just working on final tweaks. So, I mean, I think I was kind of finishing up just kind of the last changes to episode one, just almost like a year after it was started. I, I remember feeling like doing the last audio mix or something on episode one. It was like, oh, this is like exactly a year since we started filming. Yeah. Uh, so what was your what was your post setup? Like what uh, what did you edit on? You know, software, hardware, all that. Yeah, we just kind of made a makeshift shift office in the production office in Romania. Um, so just kind of right beside the production office, I had a room and my assistant had a room. It was very bare bones. It was really for a large percentage. It was just the two of us in the entire post department, like no coordinators, no PAs. No, it was kind of crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't recommend that as a way to do a huge show. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we just had Abbott set up. Um, yeah, so it's just a couple of avids. We were just working off of a shared uh, raid system, the two of us. And then as production went on, we added another assistant. So we just, you know, set up a third avid and had a, had us all working off the raid. Yeah. So uh, given that you were so close to the set, <laughs> did it work where, you know, at the end of the day, 
uh, Tim would come by and uh, check out edits or were you like sending cuts to like pics on like an iPad for him to watch? Like, like what was the interactiveness while uh, you guys, while he was actually shooting? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely the way he's used to shooting is basically shoot during the day and then go edit at night mm -hmm. um, or whenever, you know, <laughs> around his shoot schedule, whenever that is. Um, so, and yeah, he's normally used to kind of just looking at scenes, even that were shot that day, edited together that day. Um, so, you know, the process was a little ad adapted for this because his um, shoot schedule doing a TV show was, you know, accelerated compared to his film schedule. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, working in post and working in editing is just like a crucial part of his creative process. Um, you know, he kind of needs to be working on the edit at the same time as the as shooting it, because it really just informs kind of what the project is, how it's evolving, you know, and how he'll shoot you know, upcoming stuff. So when he had time in his schedule, so we'd give him cuts every day. So every day he shot, we'd be delivering him scenes, you know, fully polished and put together of what he shot either the day before or sometimes two days before. Mm -hmm. So either he'd come in, if he had time in his shoot schedule, he'd come in every day to look at those, or if he couldn't come in, we would, um, Put, we'd output those scenes for him on an iPad and we just deliver the iPad to him where especially especially if he was on shooting on not at the studio if he was shooting yeah. on location then we just send him an iPad with the latest cuts and we just talk about them you know and the progression of the show and all of that you know as he was shooting yeah so um the first four episodes were obviously directed by Tim and edited by you uh were these block shot and if so, like, does that mean you are balancing four episodes at once or, you know, how is that broken up? Yeah, the first block was episodes one and two. Hmm. And then the second block was was a different director directing episodes five and six. And I think that was mainly for um, Catherine Zeta-Jones's schedule and Louise Guzman's schedule. I'm kind of putting all because they're in episodes one and five. Oh, oh, so so, wait, so so to clarify, the first block was like one and two plus like uh, their stuff, which did include five and six. Uh, no, so the first block was episode one and two, and at the end of block one, we shot um, all of Morticia and Gomez's scenes. God. We also shot all the stuff at the at the Nevermore School, that's a castle in Romania called Canto Caso Castle, <laughs> God, something like that. Um, it's a castle in Romania where they shot the Nevermore School. Mm -hmm. um, so we also shot all that stuff at the end of block one. And then when we shifted to block two, which was episodes five and six, we just continued shooting Catherine and Louise's scenes and shooting all the rest of the stuff that took place at the castle. Um, yeah. And then, so then after block two was done shooting, then Tim came back to uh, direct block three and four. Uh, sorry, Tim came back to direct block three, which was episodes three and four. Um, yeah. Yeah. Is that, but, I mean, I guess that makes sense. Is that, um, is that something has been in like, have you, I guess, had an experience like this? before where a director is doing a block like that is it normal would you say to go like you know 
we'll do one and then like jump up jump a few episodes ahead and be able to like give the director and you a little bit of time to work on the episode one and two yeah i mean that definitely happens i think the way this was set up was mainly just for the shooting schedule for morticia and gomez's schedule and for just the logistics of getting everything shot at the nevermore castle um so I think that's why it was set up because for a long time it wasn't even for sure that Tim was going to be directing episodes three and four. Mm-hmm. His the original plan was just one and two, and episodes three and four were kind of <laughs> just were directorless for a long time. Yeah, <laughs> they were kind of looking for a director, and they weren't sure if Tim would want to do it. But you know, after after a certain period of time, Tim just really enjoyed you know, working on the show and, you know, when he kind of jumps into something, he likes to jump into it fully. So, um, yeah, so he ended up doing four episodes, directing four episodes instead of two. That makes sense. So can you um, tell me about your early conversations with Alfred, Miles and Tim as far as kind of uh, even before you were, I don't know if you guys talked before you were shooting, but kind of uh, what were early discussions about the tone of the project? Yeah, it's funny because I remember that that's usually my big question when I when I start working on a project is I ask, you know, why are you interested in telling this story? Like, because I, I really just want to have a, in my head a, a germ of what is the idea, like what is the spark of inspiration for the people? Because that's something I feel like should be kind of preserved, you know. Um, so I remember asking Tim that question early on. And, you know, I mean, so much of his process is just like learn as you go, you know, I mean, so much, you know, and develop it as things evolve, you know, so I mean, he had a spark of an idea, he must have, you know, whatever the reason was why he wanted to do the show. But I think, I don't know, it was either mysterious to him, or maybe he just didn't know how to verb or just didn't verbalize it. I don't know. But you know, because his, his, answer was always kind of well let's get into it (laughs) you know let's get into it let's start working and let's see what you know what happens and you know what we like and how uh things evolve so that's that's really how it was you know like you know and when I come into a project which is something that Alan Miles said beforehand because you know when I talked to them beforehand I said you know like I'm you know the kind of editor I like to really put a stamp on things I like to have a strong perspective I like to go with it and I like to you know run with it um you know and of course if you know collaborators down the line have different ideas and want to change things of course but you know I mean I really like to put my stamp on things and really just have a real you know real sense already worked out ahead of time what the show should feel like uh what the pace should kind of be and so I said you know to Alan Miles like you know I mean that's how I approach everything and that's how I approach this and they said like that's perfect because you know, Tim likes being shown strong ideas and going from there. So that's kind of how it evolved, you know, kind of in a very natural way like that. Yeah. So then how was it from a creative standpoint, like having to define the show's own palette in relation to also like having other iterations of the Adams family as you guys started to get in the footage and, you know, get your hands dirty on it? Yeah, it's definitely interesting. I mean, definitely. I mean, my my uh you know investment in the Adams family personally is definitely the 90s films with Christina Ricci I mean I watched those movies a lot when I was a kid Wednesday yeah. was such a 
cool character. I love that character. I also love Morticia, Angelica Houston's portrayal of her. Both those characters were huge for me as a kid. Yeah. Um, that's really, those films are really kind of my own personal, you know, uh, you know, my investment with the Adams family. Um, so I definitely came in with an idea of being kind of in that tone. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I liked those movies, that's how I envisioned the Ad family. So I definitely came in with that idea. Um, you know, and definitely things did uh, evolve away from that a little bit. I mean, you know, I think, you know, Tim especially didn't, you know, he wanted this to be its own thing. You know, we never talked about really how it would reference other Adams Family properties or anything like that. Um, because just the way Tim works, he wants it to be its own thing. He doesn't think about I don't things in terms of references like that. Yeah. Um, he just wanted this to be its own thing, whatever that is. Um, so definitely there was... Uh, he he definitely didn't like if things got too quirky, kind of too um, what's the word? Just kind of a little too plucky and comedic, yeah. um, the way like those kinds of earlier films are. Uh, he he like really reacted against that um, yeah. if it went too far in that direction. So you know, um, I kind of took it from there and kind of pushed it more into a real in between zone, which I feel really happy about. Is that because for me, I feel like the show really needs to be fun and quirky and funny, um, but also just having a little bit more of an edge to it as well, a bit of a darker edge, not always just veering into that kind of, you know, what do you call it? <laughs> just kind of that, uh, I don't know, yeah. just that kind of light, quirky comedy zone. Yeah, well, that's actually was a perfect segue into another question of like the show has a very like macabre like sense of humor and can you talk about like striking the balance between the comedy and the horror because you know uh there are moments where it definitely you know pushes I guess what you would be like called more of like a PG-13 level of like you know violence or scares or what have you and what was it like finding that balance yeah it's interesting because it's like because I, like I said, I really came into the show more thinking about those Adam's Family films, making it comedic and light and funny. Yeah. And then, you know, uh, one of the other editors on the series, Anna Yavari, um, who uh, edited the other four episodes, kind of came into it with a different perspective is that, you know, it being more dark and <laughs> disturbing and that sort of thing. And you know, we reached a point where she kind of looked at my episodes and was like, oh, this is a comedy. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> because, because she had approached it more of like, you know, like, a you know, in the first episode she did, editors episode six, which is the monster chasing them through the haunted house. So in her perspective, it was just like a, a dark horror yeah. kind of environment. And for me, it was just like funny. Um, so you know, there was definitely a meeting in the middle that happened stylistically yeah. with the show. Um, but for me, um, you know, like the horror elements for me, I don't know, it just, it never seemed right to me for this to completely take place in a horror world, Yeah. you know? Um, because, you know, it's about Wednesday, it's about her perspective. And she, and it's supposed to be grounded in her as a main character and her perspective. And so it never seemed to me, like I, I never even thought about it. 
because yeah. I was just always thinking about it as Wednesday and how does Wednesday see the world that I never kind of thought that, oh, it should all feel kind of dark and horrorish and, you know, with creepy music, you know, and just that it, I just never thought about it because I was like, that's not the world Wednesday's living in. Yeah. That's well, not how she sees the world. So for me, the horror elements, I treated them, treated them more like surprises. Like there are these things that intrude into her world which is kind of what horror is. I mean, horror is just something that comes into your universe without consent, right? It just kind of barges in and something horrible happens. Yeah. And so that's how I kind of treated it. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, obviously also the show, like part of the charm of the characters is they love kind of what, you know, most people will be frightened by. So I think it also feels like a natural fit of things that might be funny, you know, like one person might think is funny, the other person might think is horrific because that's kind of the push and pull of like, you know, yeah. the Adams family is like, you know, cre you know, as just characters. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. So, so for me, it was never a horror unless there was like a monster coming to attack or something like that. If there was a strong, you know, force that was entering into her world, then I, I wanted to bring it into the horror world. But other than that, I just didn't. I don't know. It just didn't seem to be her perspective, you know. So, yeah, that that totally makes sense. So, um, obviously, Jenna Ortega's <laughs> performance has been universally praised. Um, oh my god! How was it crafting that performance? Like, what was it like when you first started getting dailies? And you know, it, I know you're working with her again on on uh, Scream Six. She seems to be everywhere now. Yeah, I know, right? She's the new Scream Queen, right? Isn't yeah. she? <laughs> I mean, Jenna is just just an incredible incredible performer and she's so smart and she's so dedicated and she's you know really a perfectionist to her craft you know she really puts a lot into it she puts a lot of thought into it and I think that just really shows in the performance just in terms of how she crafts the character is incredible you know I mean Wednesday is such a strange performance because it is so contained you know mm -hmm. and like that is so easy to become boring or, you know, one dimensional because a lot of her footage is literally just her staring at the camera, yeah. not moving her face, not moving her eyes, yeah. which theoretically seems like it should be awful. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I mean, the thing I was constantly amazed by was just how many layers she could bring to that you know, which is seemingly not like just physically that appears to be not a lot of acting going on. But you look at the different takes and there's layers, you know, it's like there it's just shots of her staring at the camera, maybe shifting her eyes, <laughs> shifting her eyes. Right. Yeah. But one take she looks vulnerable. One take she looks aggressive. One take she looks fearful. You know, one. It's like <laughs> I, I still don't understand how how all these shades are, you know, readable to an audience. But I mean, that was, is, you know, that's kind of the magic trick of that performance, really. But, you know, that was the fun in crafting that is because you had even though it's seemingly very similar footage. Emotionally, it, it doesn't feel that way. So, you know, that was one of the great fun things about crafting the performance is because you had all these kinds of different subtleties that you could weave and build and grow and, you know, use to arc a scene with. Yeah. Um, yeah and it's crazy because I was so used to her being 
performing in such a minimal style that, you know, we all went to go see Scream in Romania when it came out, you know, mm -hmm. the one that came out this year. Yeah. And it shocked me because, <laughs> uh, you know, the performance in that movie is so huge. <laughs> and like, yeah. I was like, whoa, like, this is mind blowing, like, just so different from Wednesday. And, you know, my reaction was like, is this overacting? Is she overacting this? Because, you know, I was so used to everything just being so small and contained that it just surprised me just how different she is in Scream. I mean, rightly so, but it was just yeah. kind of incredible. You're listening to Post Perspectives Meet the Artist podcast, sponsored by Puget Systems. Wednesday, I think her defining principle seems to be just different varieties of over it. You've, you know, but like, it's like, what's the emotion underneath her being over it? And I think that she just is able to get that so well, like, did you guys ever have to fight the urge? Because I feel like also given the layers of the reaction, I feel like it was there ever realizing, oh, we can almost cut away to her reaction for like a comedic moment as a crutch. Cause like, it's just, I feel like no matter what happens, I feel like you could always cut to her just kind of having a stoic look and it would probably be funny. Was that, you know, <laughs> is that something that uh, you guys had to be careful of like how much you used? I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of like the more Jenna, the better, but really, it's like, yeah. you know, I mean, the show is called Wednesday, you know, it is about her, it's her perspective on the world, her character, it's like, which is great, you know, because I've worked on so many ensemble shows where you're trying to balance and give due yeah. to every character. It was actually really refreshing to just work on a show where you could just, you know, is that a crutch? I don't know. Is, is you know, but you just rely on her to kind of pull pull you through as an audience, and it was really great. It just felt kind of like going back to basics in a way, you know, focus on one character, one story, yeah. one world from her eyes. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, for me, it definitely she was a touchstone. Her character, her perspective. So for me, I tried to rely on that as much as possible. Really. Oh, and I think the balance uh, very much works. I just you know, if I was you know. If the uh, seats were switched, I would be like, you know, every moment being like, we well, just cut to our coverage because it's hilarious. Um, <laughs> so the season itself is centered around a mystery. How was it balancing like what to reveal when and like, were there any other shows or films that were inspirations and in how you guys might have approached this? Um, hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. It's uh you know, I mean, I've always been a huge fan of Scream and it is funny that it is like <laughs> yeah. similar in that way that they're both these kinds of murder mysteries in a way. Wednesday, you don't, you kind of don't realize that it is the murder. Well, I don't think you do until, you know, a little bit into it. Like, I just love the idea, you know, because, you know, when I'm putting together the show, I'm also just really thinking about the second viewers as well mm -hmm. um and i think <laughs> i guess i'm biased but you know i think it is a show that stands up to multiple viewings um because to me you know when i enjoyed kind of stuff like this as a kid one of the stuff one of the things i really enjoyed was being able to go back and um uh watch again and seeing the clues you know and because there are clues that are being dropped that maybe on a first time watch you don't really pay attention to or think about as being clues but yeah. when you watch it a second time you see um you know when the bad guys are conspiring or little 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 clues that point to who the bad guys are that um maybe didn't register on the first time around um, and I don't know, there's just something really fun about that to me, 
is uh, and as a kid you know i love stuff like that too where you could go back and you could just see the little clues that were being dropped and i don't know there's just a real fun interactive kind of viewing with that kind of storytelling and that's something i really thought about a lot and just kind of highlighting these little moments and what would be special for a second time viewer yeah no, that's my favorite i i say whether it's like a movie or a show like this like you're there are two things you're watching it's like the first time you watch it when you don't know the mystery and then once you know it then it's kind of the thing you're left with but like you never in a good way you're never seeing it the same way you did the first time because now you know and that's really interesting and i don't like i don't yeah, like one thing we talked about is like you know in episode three um you know, it's like uh, Christina Ricci's character talks about her favorite drink being uh, matcha latte. And then in episode four, when she's talking to Tyler, she talks about uh, always coming to Tyler for her. Um, I forget what the drink is, but it's like a it's a coffee drink, yeah. a coffee latte. And so it's like, you know, like, are people noticing this? Are people noticing her drink orders are different across yeah. episodes? Probably not. But if you watch it a second time, you might just find that as a little fun detail is that, you know, what seems like it was maybe a mistake, if you even noticed it the first time around, actually is a little clue that her drink order changes depending on <laughs> who she's talking to. And uh, I don't know, that's uh, that's just those are the just little fun things that kind of delight me. And um, so, you know, there was a question about do we keep that? Does it, is it yeah. too obvious? But you know, I, I thought that it was like just a fun thing for second time viewers to see. Well, her performance is, you know, like it, I think it kind of, it works in that regard also because, you know, she's juggling a lot. And I also think that you're so enamored by, you know, Wednesday and Wednesday uh, being like in the same show that uh, I think <laughs> yeah. a really clever idea of you're more so just being like, oh, like I can see, you know, like, I when I was watching, I was like, oh, like Christina Ricci is obviously such a talented actress. But when you see her against another Wednesday, you're like, oh, right. Like she is just doing something completely different. And I think that's really cool. And so going back to inspirations, which purely is maybe just me fishing, but weirdly, like, I wonder, like, what kind of came to mind is like this weird echo of like Twin Peaks a little bit, just because... I think there's like the Adams family had this echo that I think it's like Adams family and kind of the perversion of Americana. And then you can kind of have it through Lynch. And then you have kind of like Riverdale in like a post Twin Peaks world. And I think that like, you know, Wednesday is kind of playing around with that. And I don't know if that was any consciousness as, you know, that's very, you know, very much a film criticism look at it. But I was wondered if like, you know, if that was anything that was like conscious as well, because it is like a really cool kind of perversion of Americana through like Twin Peaks and Riverdale and like kind of what these shows are now. I don't know. I don't know if that was a question or not. I don't know. If, did that make sense? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it did. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, I love Twin Peaks. Twin yeah. Peaks is a huge, huge inspiration for me. I did think about it a little, just, you know, sometimes I like doing just little fun references for myself um yeah. you know and sometimes the way I pick music is a way sometimes I'm just referencing little fun things for myself that maybe nobody else would ever pick up on but um you know in episode four there's a scene where um 
where uh, Tyler and Wednesday are um, talking during the dance. And I did pick a piece of music that does have a little bit of a Twin Peaksy vibe to it. You know, mm-hmm. that um, that kind of uh, soft choral kind of uh, vibe yeah. to it. Um, so I don't know, not for any real purpose. Other than I just like well, maybe it. that's maybe but, that's what I was feeling because like it definitely like you know, I, it doesn't get nearly as like intense as Twin Peaks does, and nor should it. But I definitely, as I was watching, I was kind of like, I don't know why I'm thinking of this, but there is something about kind of this juxtaposition of of like kind of the presentation of some of the darkness but it's the normality of it and all i don't know there are layers and i'm deconstructing them uh so back to real questions uh was there a scene that was like the most difficult to crack or sequence then kind of what uh what about it made it a tough nut to crack yeah i mean i think definitely the hardest sequence was definitely the uh poke cup canoe race in episode two um just because it's just a really hard thing to film for one canoes yeah. on a, on the water is kind of not the most cinematic or exciting yeah. thing. Um, so that was a sequence that really evolved a lot, pretty much during the entire length of production. Um, Cause they, you know, Tim shot the original photographer, that sequence on the lake uh, in Romania and you know putting it together it just it was never as you know I mean from Tim's perspective it was always a sequence that was going to kind of continue to evolve he never really thought he had filmed it all um but you know it was uh you know it, it, it was the most difficult sequence in terms of you know we changed certain beats we kind of would rewrite some of the action beats and stuff as we just, you know, worked on it more. I'm just trying to really try to make it as, as exciting as possible because it's surprisingly difficult <laughs> to make it seem exciting. Um, so that was a sequence that kind of, I kind of evolved in the editing and the shooting pretty much through the length of production, you know, like we finished block one, but then we would continue to shoot pickups and, new little story beats and at a certain point it was no longer fall it was winter so then we started filming bits for that sequence you know we were in a studio that in Romania that had a water tank actually so we just continued filming that sequence on the water tank you know on blue screen um and the visual effects genius because we we never that was never original intention you know so we never really shot background plates or anything to like go into this water tank footage so the visual effects geniuses are just like creating background plates out of whatever little bits of footage they could pull from the original photography um so it was a sequence that we went to uh, back to a lot just trying to really make the action beats clear make it entertaining and uh, exciting i love that yeah so were the, was there any other like bigger story moments uh, that evolved over post, as you said, that Tim kind of likes to have more of a conversation with this story as it's being shot? Like, were there any big evolutions or uh, story changes or scenes that, you know, might have jumped episodes or, you know, be cut? Um, I mean, that happened kind of more in the uh, in the last four episodes, more mm-hmm. so than the ones I edited. Um, overall, there was really, 
um, I mean, the scripts were just so tight. They were so, um, you know, and there was a lot of lead time. The writers had so much time before we started filming. So they had all the eight scripts written, which was great because, you know, it's not one of these shows where you're kind of making it up as you go along. You know, they knew what the solution, what, what the yeah. mystery solution was at the end, and they could thread it all through the, I mean, so many shows go through an evolution in the writing and you're trying to make it make sense as you yeah. go. So, I mean, it was so great that this show wasn't written that way. We had all eight scripts. We knew where everything was going. Um, and I mean, the first four scripts especially were so tight. Um, you know, there was also a concern the scripts were going to be way too, or the episodes were going to be way too long, which turned out to really not be the case because of the way Tim shoots. It's very lean style of shooting. So the episodes were quite short. Some of them are 43 minutes, mm -hmm. but there was this original concern that there was going to be long. So they really spent a lot of time taking out and unnecessary words and really just focusing on the dialogue. So the scripts were in great shape, really. Um, normally I want to cut dialogue like crazy. Yeah. And like with these scripts, it was really quite lean to begin with. I mean, one thing that was new for episode one, we did go back and shoot the scene several months after the production ended. Um, the scene with the hiker and the trucker mm -hmm. uh, in the woods, he gets attacked by the monster in, in the woods. Mm -hmm. um, that was shot in the UK instead of Romania. They had to ship the car, the Adams family car from Romania to the UK yeah. to shoot that. That's funny. Um, so that was one thing that was new that got added kind of at a very late stage. That was a, you know, a Netflix felt really strongly that the mystery around the monster needed to be set up really early in episode one. Mm -hmm. We had it around the 14 minute mark, something like that. Um, and they just felt really strongly that the monster needed to get set up you know, around minute seven or whatever it is. So, um, so that was a scene that we wrote and we shot much, much later. And yeah. it was much more convenient to shoot because Tim could just shoot it in the UK. Yeah, that that is fair. And you just have the car uh, for you. Um, cool. So as we wrap up, um, I just wanted to see if there was anything you're watching right now that you are uh, currently loving or that you have watched recently that you really enjoyed. Oh, well, the last show I watched was White Lotus season two, which I just really loved. <laughs> yeah, I loved the characters. I loved the style of it. And, uh, you know, again, I just I love I love TV like this. It just feels like it's really thought out ahead of time, you know, yeah. and people going into it with a plan of what they want to create. I mean, so much television I see just doesn't feel that way where it does feel like it's kind of being made up as they go along or just trying to fill the episodes of the running time or yeah and I find those things really hard to watch you know because also because I'm just so aware of the construction behind it that it just kind of makes me crazy to watch that so it's so nice to see a show like White Lotus that is just you know from really the mind of one person one vision and you know kind of just is able to execute it the way they see it so yeah the best description i heard of that it's you know it's uh it's building the train as the train is already running on the track right right exactly and i've certainly done a lot of that and hopefully successfully but it's it's not the ideal way to work no. for me because i think i think audiences do kind of sense it on some level even if they don't consciously know how or why
Yeah, I think it's the confidence, like, you know, because ultimately, like, you have to build a confidence with your with your audience that they can trust you to go on this journey. And I think it's if you're whittling away at that, then, you know, you might lose them. Um, wonderful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a really important uh, element for sure is your audience trusting who you are as a creator, as directors or just creators, just that people know what they're doing. And that's that's something that an audience can have or not. So I, I think you're right. That is an important thing to kind of create and maintain. Thank you for listening to Post Perspectives Meet the Artist podcast, sponsored by Puget Systems. For more information, please visit pugetsystems.com.